Who's ready to talk about love? <laughs> Let's talk love for a little bit. Coming off an incredible Easter weekend last weekend, we saw the greatest example of Jesus died for us and rose again that we could live that way. Hey, here's a little hint. Jesus is still alive, and that should impact everything. We're jumping into the series, as Pastor Rob said, called Love Fiercely. We're really uh, getting back into the, uh, the three L's of BCA. Remember what those are? Live, love, lead. Anybody wearing a sweatshirt? I saw I, I, Titus has got the t-shirt on. All right, so he's representing. <clears throat> I want to encourage you to wear those still. But we're going to jump into that, that second word, love. And I have to be honest that when we hear, uh, hear this word love, it's not always exciting like, yay, we're talking love. Because when I think love, it's like all warm fuzzies and, you know, group hugs. Uh, you know, stuff like that, which is great. Don't get me wrong. But we, we want to dig into this, and we're going to kind of anchor our, uh, our series in 1 Corinthians 13, 13. So if you have your Bible, <clears throat> open up to 1 Corinthians 13, 13. It'll be also on the screen. Here's what it says. As he's closing, as Paul is closing this, this uh, scripture on love, he says in, the, in verse 13, three things will last forever. Everybody hold up three fingers. Paul is saying this. Three things out of all the other things... All the other feelings and emotions will last forever of these three. So do you understand the, 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 the platform Paul is putting these three things on? He said, these three things, pause, listen, important, because they will what? Last forever. Three things. Faith, hope, and love. Why these three? Because these three things are the epitome of who our God is. Our God is is what we put our faith in. Our God is hope. Our God is love. And if he's <clears throat> taking these three things and, and elevating them to this level, Paul then, if possible to elevate any more, he takes one and says what? But the greatest of these is love. 
we want to talk about that because it's, it's not by accident that in our three L's, love is right there in the center. Live, love, lead. This entire series that we're going to go through, we're going to have different members of our, our family life team be, share with you in different elements of, of this message um, through these series, but we want to focus in on love. And in order to do that, I want to create a working definition for this entire series of loving. It's called Love Fiercely. So, so let's look at that. Let's define love. Love is this. It is a feeling of deep affection. Everybody say, oh, it's a feeling. This is the warm, fuzzy part of love, right? This is where the, the, the big group hugs come in. It's just a feeling of, 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 of affection. Listen, this is true. This is the definition of it. But whenever I, I hear love equated to this idea of feeling, I step back and go, wait a second. Because I don't always feel like loving. I, I, I love my, my, my wife and my kids, but I don't always feel like it, right? And the world is telling us, and I've said this many, many times, you've heard it a hundred times everywhere else, but the world tells you just follow your feelings, follow your heart. It's a lie, don't do that. Don't do that, you're going to find yourself in trouble. Because here's what I believe, a mantra of mine, right feelings follow right actions. You see what I did there? Our actions, when we take the step, I don't feel like it, the feelings will catch up later. I'm choosing to love. So, so love is, is a feeling of deep affection. And then we're tagging on for this series, fiercely. Fiercely, it, it means this, with a heartfelt and powerful intensity. So if you thought love was, was a little more soft, we put fierce in there so everybody can go, oh yeah, there it is. It's powerful. It's, in, yeah, it's intense. So we have this, this love, this feeling, and this intensity. There's a purpose why these two things are put together. So our working definition for this series is this. Love, love fiercely is the intense and purposeful act of affection. Intense and purposeful act, not feeling, of affection. There's the feeling. It's the intense and purposeful act of affection. We want to choose to do this. And, and this is really uh, where we're going to build this series is on this right here. But we added a tagline into the title, Love Fiercely. The tagline line is this. It's living fiercely committed to four things. And I believe these are circles we walk in. To our, our faith, our marriage, our family, and community. And, and we put them in that order on purpose. We are fiercely committed, loving fiercely faith, our faith and belief in Jesus Christ. God sent his son to die on a cross and rise again. And I'm fiercely committed to that. And if I don't get that right, I can't get the other three in line properly. God, I am fiercely committed to you. Nothing's going to shake it. Following that, we're putting marriages. How I love my spouse. The importance and value of marriage. I'm going to love and I'm going to commit to. And then family. Kids, parents, grandmas, grandpas, aunts, uncles. We walk in these circles. Family is important and we need to fight for family. We need to love fiercely. Be fiercely committed to family. And then, then fourth is our communities, the circles we walk in, your workplace, your school, the stores you, you go to. Living fiercely committed to faith, marriage, family, community in this series and my hope and my prayer, and as we put it together as a team, that we would go forward with this, I'm committed, I'm in this. 
It's not going to be easy. It's not always going to be fun. But I'm committed. This don't quit attitude. Don't stop. Don't quit. When, when, it, when the going gets tough, stay at it. And this is something that, that we really want to teach, uh, not only you, but, but uh, as uh, we are raising our children, we want, we want to teach our children to have this never quit, don't say quit attitude. And years ago, my kids made this, well, we made this mantra, and they made this little video I'm going to show you in a second, uh, because uh, we just wanted them to catch this. And one of my jobs as a pastor who has kids is to embarrass my children. Um, and, uh, and I make no apologies, uh, it, but this was years ago. And I want you to just kind of, it, it it's funny, it's just kind of for fun, it's just kind of for embarrassment purposes. I want you to watch the commitment that we're trying to teach our kids in the Fox family. Watch this. Oh, this is the piece. There it is. This is the tough part. Woo, there it is. I embarrassed my children. This was years and years ago, um, quite a while ago. And, and, and I do have to caveat, and I've said this before, that when I use my children in messages, I do uh, buy them Starbucks. It's a deal we made, and I'm going to go broke for this one. So uh, if you want to help me pay for Starbucks, great. Um, but we wanted to teach our kids. It's kind of a fun way that foxes never quit. We don't quit. We stay at it. And, and this is just really just kind of for fun. I want you to put your name there. What's your last name? Never quit. We're going to be in this. We're not going to get it perfect. We're not going to get it perfect. We're going to stumble along the way, I'm sure. But we're going to get back up and say, we don't quit. We're going to stay at it. Foxes never quit. So this is the idea and premise. And, and as we, we go forward into this, this sermon and this series, Here's the question that I want you to think about. We have to personalize this action. We have to uh, personalize loving fiercely. Here's what I want you to ask yourself. What can I do to develop a deeper commitment to my faith, my marriage, my family, and community? What can I do? Do something. At the end of this message, when you walk away, that you have something. I'm going to hang on to this because this is an area I'm going to go. Maybe you feel like life has just been tough and beating you up. Find something. I'm not looking for perfection walking out this door, but I'm looking for progress. What is something that we can do in our marriages and families, in our faith, and in our communities? To love fiercely. And as I, as I think about the definition of loving fiercely, obviously Jesus Christ, who loved us to the point of his death on the cross. But one other really great example that I see in, in the Bible is in the Old Testament, in the book of Ruth, about a, a person a gal named Ruth. So if you have your Bible, flip over to Ruth. We're going to look at an example of what this looks like lived out in the book of Ruth. And if you have it, you can flip there. This is right after Judges. In fact, it takes place during the time of the Judges. So if you're flipping through, Ruth is small enough where if you hit Judges and try to go a little further, you're probably going to pass right through Ruth, the first Samuel. But if you want to stop there and kind of stop in, in, in Ruth, I want to look at this because she gives us an example of what being fiercely committed looks like. Ruth, again, like I said, this book takes place in um, uh, the time of the judges. And in this time in Israel, there was a great famine, which means there just wasn't food. People were starving. And there was a man by the name of Elimelech. That's just fun to say, Elimelech. Elimelech was married to a gal named Naomi. They had two sons. And the famine got so severe that Elimelech decided to take his wife and two kids and move to Moab where he heard there was a possibility for some food. 
This is a bigger deal than just say they moved to Moab. Like, hey, I'm going to Montana to find food. This is a big deal because, because Moab, and especially in the time of the judges, Moab was the enemy. If you read in the Old Testament, they were against Moab all the time, the Moabites. But he goes there because this is the only way to provide. They get to, to, Mo, to, to Moab and, and his sons, Elimelech uh, 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 and, and Naomi's sons, find a, a spouse each, one named Ruth, the book named after, and one named Orpah. Not Oprah, Orpah. Get the R in the right place. They met, the, the two sons met, met uh, gals and married them, and, and this family went on, and, and, and short, at some point, the Bible doesn't tell us when, the Bible doesn't tell us why, the Bible doesn't tell us how. Naomi loses Elimelech. He dies of, of something. He's gone. She's, she's, she's in a land of the enemy and lost her husband. And shortly after that, the Bible doesn't tell us how or why or when. The two sons both die. Put yourself into that place. Not only into Naomi, but to Ruth and Orpah. In the course of whatever time this was, you lost everything in the land of your enemy. I got nothing. Over the course of time, Naomi heard that there was food back in the land of Israel, so she decided, I'm going to go back. Maybe, maybe I can survive there. And the two daughters-in-law decided to go with her, and that's where we jump into Ruth, chapter 1, verse 8. But on the way, on the way back to Israel, Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, go back to your mother's homes, and may the Lord reward you for your kindness to your husbands and to me. May the Lord bless you with the security of another marriage. Then she kissed them goodbye, and they all broke down and wept. I read that, and, I'm, and I don't want to sound, sound harsh, but I'm like, duh, this is, she's lost everything. These gals lost their husbands. Yeah, they, they probably, there was probably a bit of weeping going on here. This is a big deal. Verse 10, the girls said, no, Naomi, we want to go with you to your people. And Naomi stopped and said, listen, verse 11, Naomi replied, why should you go on with me? Can I still give birth to other sons who could grow up and to be your husbands? No, my daughters, return to your parents' homes, for I am too old to marry again. And even if it were possible and I were to get married tonight and bear sons, then what? Would, would you wait for them to grow up and refuse to marry someone else? No, of course not. Now, when you read this, that sounds a little weird, doesn't it? Like, why is she saying this? Because in that time and culture, that name and that heritage was a very, very big deal. Carrying on the name of the deceased was a very big deal. So if you were married, you didn't have any children and your husband died, you would marry his next brother who wasn't married and didn't have kids in order to carry on the name and honor of that last person. We don't really have that culture, so it may sound weird to you, but, in, but this was a very, very big deal why Naomi has to mention this. But even Naomi understands that this is ridiculous. You, you're older, and if I just have a kid right now, it would be this long, and it, that doesn't make sense. Listen, this is, I know this is culture, this is what we're supposed to do, but, but you're released, is what she's saying. You're released. She says these words, because things are far more bitter for me than for you, because the Lord himself has raised his fist against me. Do you understand Naomi's hopelessness in this moment? I got nothing left. Again, they wept together. Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung tightly. Underline that, highlight it, circle it. Clung tightly to Naomi. Look, Naomi said to her, 
said to her, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and her gods. You should do the same. Naomi says, I'm going to cling tightly. And she said, no, 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 you don't understand. Go back. Orpah even had the common sense to go back. Go, Ruth. You're, you're released. And then listen to Ruth's words to that comment, to, to her d- d- fierce love and commitment. She says these words. But Ruth replied, don't ask me to leave you and turn back. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. Wherever you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord punish me severely if I allow anything but death to separate us. Wow. You've got to understand the weight of that, what, those words that Ruth says right here. She says, I am in this. I am committed. You can tell me a thousand times to leave, and that will be easier over there. But Naomi, I'm here and I'm not leaving. May God deal with me severely if I ever back out of this commitment. I'm with you. I got your back. Naomi says this. When Naomi saw Ruth was determined to go with her, she said nothing more. Ruth looked at Naomi and said, I am with you even if there's nothing in it for me. You talk about fierce love and commitment and determination. In fact, I read a commentator this week who said it this way. Ruth's commitment to Naomi is complete. It's done. It's lacking nothing. It's not going to change, even though it holds no prospect for her but to share in Naomi's desolation. This is not the wise decision, Ruth. (laughs) But Ruth says, I'm determined. And you imagine putting yourself in Naomi's position You've lost your husband and your sons and you're in a foreign land and you're going to go back because maybe there's food. I don't know how I'm going to live. I got nothing. She even says it's bitter. It's a desolation. It's terrible. You imagine being in her spot. You've lost everything. To have one person look at you and said, I'm with you. I got your back. You're not alone. You imagine. That's the power of fierce love. You're not alone. And so the two women went back. Wow. As I read that this week, I was just shocked and said, God, what do I need to do to have that kind of determination and fierce commitment to love you, my faith, my marriage, my wife, my family, my kids, my, 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 my relatives, and my community? What, how do I have that? And that's really what I want to look at, look, look at for us real briefly in our time. What does this look like for us I want to look at three things real quick that, that are just obstacles. And I'm going to hit on very quickly because I think we need to understand that, that this is not easy stuff. There are three things that are going to come against you and tell you to stop. Number one is this, overwhelming obstacles. The, 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 the reasons to quit are almost always going to be far more than the reasons to stay. Notice I said more, not greater. Because the enemy is going to pile up reasons for you to walk out, turn your back, and say, I I, I don't want any part of this. Overwhelming obstacles. Listen, if you can be bought, the enemy will pay your price, and he'll give you a list of reasons why you should quit. Overwhelming obstacles. Here's another one that stands in the way. Instant gratification. I want the easy route, and I want it now. I I, I don't don't want to go through that, and there's an off-ramp. Instant gratification is a problem because we want to solve the problem right now. It's about me. I I need it now. Listen to me. The enemy of your soul, of your relationships, will always offer you an off-ramp. There will be a hundred of them to take. Oh, God, would you help us? 
to stay the course. And another one, bitterness. Uh, anger is in there. Uh, hurt is in there. These obstacles that are difficult. But what happens is when we hang on to these things, arises bitterness in our life, and bitterness always destroys. These are obstacles to this loving fiercely, these, these circles we walk in. How do we deal with these overwhelming obstacles? We look at, at, at when Naomi says, she says, things are exceedingly bitter for me. But Naomi, or Ruth steps up and says, but I'm with you. How do we get through this? How do we get that determination like Ruth had? Again, we give those three obstacles and kind of corresponding with those. I want to give you three ways that we can stay the course and stay at it. How do we develop a fierce commitment to love? Number one, we have to understand this. We've got to be ready for work. We've got to be ready to roll up our sleeves and get at it. This isn't easy. This isn't fun, but I'm, I'm committed. I'm in. Look at Ruth for a second. I didn't read chapter two of Ruth. I want you to go home and I want you to read the entire book. It's only a few chapters. You can do this. But in chapter two, what it says is when Ruth and Naomi got back, they didn't sit in a hut and just sit in their bitterness. Do you know what Ruth does when they get back? She says, Naomi, I'm going to work. I'm going to go get stuff for us to survive on. I got your back. I told you I did, so I'm going to go to work. And what Ruth does is she goes out in what the Bible calls gleaning. She goes out into a field where they were harvesting, and she just picks up all the little scraps that the harvesters drop, and she goes to work. She rolls up her sleeve. When you're gleaning, you, you pick up what they drop, and you go to the corners where they don't harvest all the way, and you start to fill your basket, and it's, it's for the, the, the poor and downtrod to, to, to give them hope, and she starts collecting. In fact, she works so hard so much that Boaz, who's the redeemer of the story, by the way, that's the, uh, the uh, uh, teaser there, uh, Boaz gets, gets to his field, he owns the field, and he looks at, at the gleaners, and he notices Ruth. He, he notices something different about Ruth and, and asks the workers, who is that? And they said, she's been working so hard, she didn't even take a break. She took a small afternoon break in the heat, but she was right back at it. The Bible tells us she worked so hard that she collected an ephah of grain, which means nothing to us, does it? it 10 to 20 liters of grain. Again, we're not farmers, most of us. We don't know what that means. It, the Bible says that she worked so hard, she collected in, in that one day a whole week's worth of food for Naomi and her. Listen, here's what this tells me. We cannot just, just sit and, and focus on the overwhelming obstacles and the difficulties and the reasons to quit. We have to roll up our sleeves and get to work. I'm going at it. I love this about Ruth. I want to incorporate some of that in me. How do you do it for you? Are you ready to work at your faith, at your marriage, at your family, community? It's time to roll up our sleeves. What is something God is asking you to do to roll up your sleeves? And number two is this. We've got to learn to play the long game. This is the battle against instant gratification. See, Ruth said she was determined. I believe there's commitment issues in, in our world where, where we just take the off-ramp, take what's easy, I'm out. The long game looks like this, that I'm in this for not now feeling, but where we're going to be. What does this look like in parenting? As a parent, I, I really, uh, I, I hate disciplining my children. I just want them to be my friends and love me because I'm just such a good guy and lovable and we can all be friends, but... But, but, but punishments and, and uh, consequences, we do even though we don't love it because I want my kids to be in 10 years what they can be, what God has for them. So we go through the hard stuff. I know you're not going to like me right now, but I see you in 10 years and see what God can do. 
So we go through this. I look at my look at marriages and communities and say, I, I know this is not the easy stuff, but I'm in it because of what, where we're going to be. I have a vision for the future. It's instant gratification, playing the long game. And number three is this. We need to learn to rely on the Holy Spirit. Here's why. Because you can work really hard and have great vision and at the end of the day still come up short because if you try it on your own, you're going to face more challenge than difficulties. The beauty of this is that God has given us the power of the Holy Spirit to be strength for today. I wake up every morning and say, Holy Spirit, fill me because I need it to, to love my family and my wife, to be in these communities you've called me to be and just to serve. Look at 1 Corinthians 13. It's tucked in between chapters of, of Paul talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues and why we need the Holy Spirit. It's like he's given a master's course in, in, in how to move in the Holy Spirit. And he pauses and says, but wait, this is about love. You're going to need this to love your communities. You're going to need the Holy Spirit and these gifts to love your spouse. You're going to need the Holy Spirit to, to love your, your families the way that I'm calling you to love. And then he gets back into teaching. We need to learn to rely on the Holy Spirit greater now than ever. My prayer for you, and as I was putting this together, that the Holy Spirit would fill each and every one of you, whether you're online and in this room, that he would fill you with power to love and serve like never before, to be fiercely committed. Because if I want to be anything like Ruth, I need the Holy Spirit's power in me. Because Adam can't do this. But when I rely on Jesus, Jesus can I need the Holy Spirit, and I need that power and those, that strength. Listen, I know this is not easy stuff, because once we talk about family and we talk about marriages and we talk about communities, there is a whole lot of hurt that comes up. We're going to walk through this with faith and belief that God can heal, God can restore God can put back broken pieces. And we're going to come with all of our brokenness and our imperfections and say, Jesus, help. Holy Spirit, I need you. That's my prayer for you, for your families. I see prayer requests come through all the time. Relationships, marriages, family, this is tough stuff. We pray for you. But the challenge is that we're going to keep going. Again, we're not looking for you to walk out these doors perfect and everything put back together, but we're going to take a step. Oh, God, we need your help. Take another step today. I'm going to try to love my wife, my, my husband, better than I did yesterday. He didn't get it right. I'm going to get up and keep going. Here's the challenge. Church, we, we don't want you to just hear another message on family. We don't want you just to hear another message on love. We've heard a thousand of them. We want you to do something with it. As James says, don't merely listen to the word, but do what it says. And so as a, as a pastor and your family life team and, and your pastoral staff here, our job is not just to say, go do it, but to equip you to do it. So a brief little commercial before I'm closing and be done. On your way out, you're going to receive one of these. This is Love Fiercely. Uh, there's a QR code. But on the back are just some simple classes, practical ways that you can engage with the stuff we talk about. We want to equip you with teaching, training. And one of the things we're going to do with our, for our faith, Pastor Danny's going to teach a class called Let's Talk About This. This is BCB. This is Discover. This is the basics of our faith. If you want to grow deeper in your faith, you need to come to this class this Wednesday night. On Wednesday nights in the month of May, we're going to, I'm going to teach a class called Prepare and Rich. It's for imperfect uh, marriages only. 
or if you're engaged, come join us. We're just going to talk about marriages, how to get better, how to get stronger. Wednesday nights in May. We have Explore on the 15th on how to get deeper involved in our community. We're going to do a parental advisory night on the May 22nd. Where we're going to talk uh, parents to parents. We have a, board, a, a, a group of people just talking about how to raise kids in this stuff. This is hard times to do that. And we're, we're going to have a couple's bunk on. We have all kinds of stuff. Register, get online, engage. Do something. Maybe you can't come to these classes. We'll offer some stuff online and we'll offer help. But secondly, practically, how do we do this? How do we put it to action? This is going to sound so uh, mailed in, just the Jesus Pat Bible answer. But secondly, is this pray. And I'm not joking when I say that. Prayer is powerful. Prayer moves the hand of God. We need to be people who pray that we'd have our faith strengthened. We need to be people who pray for our relationships and marriages. Maybe you're not married. We need you to pray for marriages and relationships. Maybe you, you need to pray for your family. Here's why, because we have to understand that our struggle right now is not flesh and blood. We can, we, we, we can give you a lot of practical things, but we have to understand our struggle is really spiritual. The enemy is working overtime to destroy your marriage, your family, your communities. And we'd be foolish to not understand this. It, it was interesting because several weeks ago we were in our Live, Love, Lead series and we, we were speaking through the Ten Commandments and, and, and we were speaking on stealing. <laughs> And it was, it was, I laugh now, it wasn't funny in the moment, but it, it's real minor, but that very Sunday, somebody stole stuff from some back classrooms. And we're like, whoa, how crazy is this? On the week we speak about stealing. And I was just laughing about it going, wow, wow, we got it figured out, our securities, it don't, you have no worries, you're safe. But I felt the Holy Spirit say, do you not think that when you start to expose the lies of the enemy, he's not going to rise up? And then I started praying for families, marriages. And I felt that same voice say, do you not think that if you're going to expose the lies of the enemy to destroy marriages and families, he's not going to rise up? And I was stopped in my tracks and I said, we got to pray. We got to be a church that prays, that relies on the Holy Spirit. I want to challenge you to begin praying, whatever that looks like for you. One of the ways I want you to join me starting tonight at 6 p.m. in the Activity Center for six weeks at 6 p.m., we're going to pray over marriages and families. That's it. For an hour, we're going to gather and pray. If you can, if you can join me, we're going to pray specifically for our, our kids and our families, our marriages, our faith, for people who do not believe, for our communities. We need to cover this thing in prayer. Maybe you can't come at 6. Can I, can I challenge the whole church to this? Set an alarm on your phone, 6 p.m. Sunday, Sunday evenings, and it just says pray. And would you just take a second right there and start praying? God, cover my marriage, cover my family, help my faith grow deeper, help our community. What would happen if a church began to rise up and began to pray together at the start of the week? I believe, and it is my dream, that we would see this church rise up in a, in a, in a world that's broken and hurting and, and, and just in shambles, and, and we start to pray. Now, the world wouldn't see us, but they would see the answer that we have, Jesus Christ. That we would start to see marriages strengthened. We would we would start to see prodigals return. We would start to see families reunited. We would start to see miracles. <laughs> because we need it. Oh, do we need it. What will you do? How will you engage with this today? We need a miracle.
But the good news, we serve a miracle-working God. And we just came off a weekend of it. But we saw he defeated death, hell, and the grave. If you came in with baggage and a lot of hurt, can I tell you, we serve a God who raises things from the dead. There's hope. I want to pray for you. Would you stand with me? I want to close in prayer. The worship team is going to close us in a song. Our prayer team is going to come forward. Maybe you came in with a lot, a lot of stuff on your heart. Maybe it's something I said. Maybe it's something else. Our prayer team is going to be up here and wants to pray with you. Maybe you're just honest and say, I don't even know where to begin. It's just in shambles. Would you just pray? Because I believe God hears prayer, and there's something powerful about prayer. Trust me. You may not see it, but God's moving. Maybe you don't know this Jesus. Can I encourage you? If you don't know Jesus, your Savior, would you just look at me for a second? Would you focus online if you're watching? Jesus loves you. He's seen what you've been through. He's with you. All you have to do is surrender. Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me. That's where you start this journey. But for everybody else, I started with this question. What is one thing you're going to do? Maybe it starts right here this morning. Getting prayer. Maybe as you walk out, you say, I'm going to start praying with my spouse. I'm going to pray at 6 p.m. I'm going to go to one of these classes. I'm going to pick up a book. If you need resources, find us. Our job as pastors is to equip the saints for good works. We, we want to help you. We want to watch. We don't, we don't want to just give you stuff and send you. We want to put our arms around you and say, let's go. Let's go do this. We're in this together. We need to think about that, and I pray that the Holy Spirit will begin to speak to you. What is something you're going to do through this series, through this truth, to love fiercely and be fiercely committed? Lord, we surrender to you. Lord, we confess we've fallen short in so many ways. God, there's so much hurt. There's so much anger. There's so much, so many obstacles. God, there are things that I can't even imagine that people are dealing with and wrestling with right now. But what I do know is that you know. God, that you have the strength to walk people through some tough stuff. Help us to have the strength to roll up our sleeves and keep going, to do the hard stuff. Help us not to settle for the immediate and instant gratification, but to be in this for the long game, to commit, have that determination like Ruth. God, I pray that you would fill us with the Holy Spirit and power, because we can't do this alone. God, we give this to you. We surrender, and I pray you would heal marriages. I pray you would restore families. You would bind circles and communities together like never before. But most importantly, may each and every one of us be purposeful in going deeper in our faith. Jesus, we love you.